Welcome to Places, everyone. I'm Lonnie Firestone. This is the third episode in my series with high school students as part of a program I developed for Jewish schools to expand their study of contemporary Black plays. The students and I spent several weeks discussing Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play by Jocelyn Bio, and we have had the pleasure of speaking with cast members about their characters and their experiences in the play. Our third guest artist featured this episode is actress Joanna Jones. Joanna performed in the MCC production of Schoolgirls in New York. She played Erica, a biracial American teenager who moves to Ghana to live with her wealthy father. Erica is somewhat of an outcast at her school in the United States, but she's seen as a rising star at her Ghanaian boarding school. Joanna talked to us about what it feels like when the things you find embarrassing about yourself in one environment become the things people find fascinating in another. Joanna also spoke about her starring role in Hamilton on Broadway and the narrative arc of the Schuyler sisters. In this interview, as with all the interviews in this series, You'll hear questions from me as well as a wonderful group of high school students at the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School in Maryland. Here is our interview with Joanna Jones. It's such a pleasure to welcome Joanna Jones today. It's really a delight to have you. We've been studying schoolgirls and watching your performance and meeting some of the other actresses who have starred in your and other productions. Um, So we have a variety of questions today and we'll try to fit it all in to our time slot here. The thing I wanted to start with is the idea that one of the oldest premises, setups in drama, is a newcomer arrives to a certain environment and shakes everything up. Yeah. The, there's a certain uh, balance, a certain like equanimity, even if it's problematic, the newcomer comes in and suddenly everything is off kilter. This is Erica and Schoolgirls. And the question I wanted to start with is what we know about Erica in the world of schoolgirls, and what we only learn from Erica about her American life through her memories. We never get to see Erica's experience in life in America. So all that we know about her life in America is what she tells us through a painful conversation with Paulina. Yeah. And we know that she felt excluded socially, she felt alone, She lacked money. She had a close relationship with her mother, but no other points of connection, really. Yeah. When she comes into the scene in Ghana, the experience is antipodal in every way. She makes friends effortlessly. She's seen as being on a fast track to stardom. She Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. access to lots of money. What I want to know from you, Joanna, is... How does the newfound fortune that you experience, not just monetary, but social fortune, when you come into the scene, the experience of being the luckiest person in the room as everyone sees you, how does that make Erica feel and how do you play that? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, 
I think, like you said, like there is, there are only so many clues in the text about what her life was like. And so, um, we had to do a lot of like diving, like backstory and like deciding like what her story would be. Um, so that when we came to that crazy moment of her first walking through those doors as the new girl, we knew what she was bringing with her really. And so I think that we, what we ended up deciding is that you know, she was coming into this environment with a lot of uncertainty and coming with a lot of like grief and like difficulty from her life in America. You know, the only reason that she had now had to move to Ghana is because her mother passed away, you know, like the person who raised her, her best friend passed away. And now she has to be living in Ghana with her like estranged father and his family. And not necessarily because he wanted her, you know, but because like she had no one left. And so she's coming in there grieving her mother a culture shock by moving to Ghana and, and being the new kid in school. And so it's like, it's a lot to handle, especially like as a teenager, you know, at such a vulnerable age. And so I think knowing that like she mentions that she wasn't popular at her old school, she's probably going into it like hopeful that like it will go great, but like really uncertain. I think that she was clinging to the hope that her being half Ghanaian and being black, you know, would get her in on the most basic level, at least. And that she would be like, cool, at least I'll be like on an equal playing field with these people. But then it kind of like exceeds her expectations. And she's suddenly like a superstar by getting there. And like, I processed it by the imagination of like, what would it feel like if everything that you used to find embarrassing about yourself suddenly was what everyone was like idolizing? For example, like my hair. Like maybe my hair back in my American school, I got made fun of because it's frizzy and curly and big. And then I get to Ghana and they're like, oh my God, your hair is so long. Like we wish our hair was that long. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, and I just like passed all of these steps to being cool simply just by existing and by the fact that I came from America. And so I think that at first she's like a little hesitant and maybe like uncertain. Like, how is this happening? And then she's like, oh, okay. Like I can get used to this. Like, let me, let me ride with this. Like I'm cool now. Like, let me, I have friends. Like they're following me. Like I'm going to take this and and run with it because it feels good. That's a great springboard into the next question. In what ways is Erica similar to you and different from you? And what is the biggest challenge that comes along with portraying those similarities and differences? Hi, nice to meet you. That is a great question. Similar is that I have the experience of growing up as a biracial kid in America. You know, my mom is white and my dad is black. And so I've had that experience of like going through the school system and kind of feeling like, oh, like I don't really know where I fit in, you know, because it's not always talked about, you know, what what the biracial experience is, especially in America, which is like so traditionally pitted just like black versus white. There's like not really an in-between, it doesn't matter. And so I've navigated through that and I'm still navigating through that. So I was able to connect with that in a very personal way. I'm also very close to my mother. So I could identify with like, just like the imagination of what it would be like to lose her because I am so close with her. And then differences, I guess, for one thing, you know, I played Erica a couple of years ago when I was 28 years old and she was 18. So it was really interesting to try and like take myself back 10 years and try and imagine how I processed emotion back then because it was so different from now. And yeah, and try to like pull up those memories of like how it felt to be embarrassed or hurt or to be the new kid. Cause I was the new kid a lot. That, that's another similarity is that we moved a lot. 
when I was growing up. And so I know what it feels like to be the new kid and it's horribly awkward, you know? (laughs) So I could identify with her that way. But that's what makes it so interesting is like finding that balance between the things that are similar between us and then like finding the things that are different. It's like, okay, well, what have I lost anyone in my life or what in my life has made me feel a deep sense of loss? And how can I bring that to the character and channel that when like I need it basically? And so it's always like this delicate balance of staying true to the text and making sure the character is what it says on the text, but then also bringing your own like life experiences in it to make it feel really truthful and real on stage. Yeah, that's an awesome question. <laughs> I think one of the most hilarious moments, and I watched this play, I watched it live, and I've watched it like five times um, <laughs> in the recording. I love that. The, the, the scene that truly makes me laugh every time is the scene where you riff at the end of your the greatest love of all. <laughs> yeah. It's such an amazing moment. And I went back to look at the stage notes. And guys, since you have, um, so many of you have real passions for theater and, and performance, the stage notes are these secrets that the playwright is giving you before the director even comes in the room. And it says in the stage notes that Paulina has just sang And now Erica comes in and it says, Erica is channeling Whitney Houston. (laughs) Uh, Her voice is amazing. So we know the person singing this, the person who has the role of Erica must have an amazing voice. It (laughs) It is built into the character. And then it says, as the song is continuing, Erica is ad libbing and riffing to her heart's content. So that could go in two ways. It could be like super like, American Idol voice, like uh, beautiful vocal trills. And you do that. Your voice mm. is astoundingly beautiful. Oh, thank you. But it is also hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. And I wanted to know how you worked with your director, Rebecca Tishman, and created something that is such, has such showmanship that this is a, a character who is qualified to be in a pageant. But it is also a hilarious moment because this is a comedic play. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That moment was such a fun moment to work on. Um, I think what Rebecca, what theme that Rebecca like would say throughout the play was to not play the comedy, but just like let it be funny on its own. Um, And so that's kind of what we worked out specifically for that moment was that it's really funny that like, it's funny that she's that good, like, because no one is expecting that. And um, especially in contrast to like the other girls who they do their performance and they're shy or they're off tune or something like that. Um, so we, we sort of talked about like making it so that I wasn't like going out there trying to like be super showy off you or anything, but I'm literally, it's funny that this girl just has this natural gift that no one was expecting to be like that. And I think also like, um, she told me specifically to do a couple of the riffs that Whitney did like in the thing, like with the idea that like, maybe this was one of her favorite records that she used to listen to all the time. She memorized it exactly like how like Whitney would do it. And so um, we wanted it to feel like supernatural. Like she went out there and I think everyone expected like, Oh sure. She'll have like a nice voice or whatever. And um, she'll do a good job, but no one expected her to like come out with this like sort of Whitney Houston sounding like a voice. Um, And so it's so funny on its own. You know, I didn't really have to do anything. All I had to do was like memorize 
a couple of, of iconic Whitney moments that people would recognize and then just sing it like from the heart, like sing it naturally, like just put my heart into it. And like Erica knowing that she could sing, but like not necessarily thinking she was anything like fantastic, like made it so funny for the audience to watch and just sort of like put the nail in the coffin for Paulina. Cause like, Oh great. Now she has all these other things and she can sing like that. Like this is actually ridiculous. And it was such a funny moment. It was so fun to work on it because we would, I mean, we would all break character in rehearsal. Like we would just laugh during rehearsal because it was hilarious. Like to see the other girls, <laughs> to see the other girls and their performance and like them not being sure of where they were. Like the, it was just such a hilarious scene. The other actresses were just so funny just because they were being true to their characters. Like we weren't playing the comedy. We were just, it played itself. And that was something that was so beautiful and was a theme throughout the show. Like the funny moments were funny just because they were innately funny, not because we were trying to infuse comedy into them. Going back to the idea of the two environments, America versus Ghana, I'm going to turn it to with the next question. So in both the American and African environments, Erica seems to not fit in completely. So how does Erica adapt to new environments and develop her fearlessness around bullies and people who may not like her for what she is? Yeah, that's an amazing question. The American experience, like I said, is so unique in that it's very black versus white and all that. And finding out the balance of that and how to navigate that is very tricky. And then when Erica gets to Ghana, I I don't think she was really aware that they have their own system that they're working with as far as like colorism. That's not necessarily what she would experience. I think in America, it would be more like, oh, well, if you're a little black, then you're just black or like that type of thing. But then coming to Ghana where like this whole system is kind of rigged on like glorifying Western culture and like lighter skin. I think that's like a shock for her. And, but then once she realizes that she can use it to her advantage, I think that for example, like getting the support of the girls, like realizing that she can kind of use this army of girls to be like her, her group, you know, helps her to stand up to Paulina. I mean, she does give Paulina an opportunity to be in this group together. And Paulina rejects that, right? Like Paulina's like, no, like, go have your little party. Like I'm going to stay over here type of thing. But um, this new power that Erica finds in this new system, by like having the, the advantage and like having the privilege and the status quo, like this new power, like helps her to stand up to the bully because she has, she's taken the queen bee's followers away, you know? And so um, we don't know what she went through in America necessarily, but I think in America, it was probably her a daily fight, you know, and she didn't necessarily have the tools to, to fight bullies necessarily was probably just from a place of pain, but from here, like she's getting a lot of encouragement. That's an awesome question. The idea of uh, racism set in an African country is really possibly unprecedented, but certainly groundbreaking in American theater. And I wanted to turn it to with a question on that, on that idea. Do you think that the metaphor with Erica and Paulina in and like the results for the Miss Ghana pageant accurately represents colorism and racism on a wider scale. Thank you. That's an awesome question. Yeah, I absolutely do. Because of course we find out at the end that, you know, no one from Ghana like won that year. And so Pauline is basically saying that was, that was all for nothing, you know, because at the end of the day, they were still passed over because of their, their blackness and their, their, the way that they didn't fit into the idealized standard of beauty and, and all of that. And so 
there's a line where Paulina says in their big fight at the end, the world has already decided that you're better than me, right? And that is kind of a theme of for what colorism is, you know, like because of this weird system that is implemented, blackness is considered a negative. And like we see with Paulina, of course, also like using bleaching cream, like she would go to such lengths to like change herself to fit into that, that system that, that works over there. And so um, it's so strange because like colorism, of course, is like a prejudice within a prejudice, you know, like you're prejudiced within your own ethnic or racial group a lot of the time. And you would think that it would be more productive to, um, to be unified rather than to cause divisions within your own ethnic group. Remember when the recruiter tells the teacher, like we're looking for girls that fit on the opposite side of the African skin spectrum, right? And she's saying that we are looking for people with a more universal and commercial look. Um, that's just like an example of like this thing that exists there, like in the culture that they all know that that is how the system is, that it's rigged that way to make it so that blackness is seen as a negative and that you're more likely to succeed if you are lighter skinned, you're more, you're considered more beautiful. We're going to expand a little in our last minutes here to some more broader questions about acting performance and um, a variety of your roles. So I was just wondering how training for a musical like Hamilton, which involves like crazy songs and dance numbers, and um, how how is that different from just rehearsing for a play, which is like so much more intimate and detailed, like we've really analyzed it and there's like such a big difference. And so I know it's a little basic, but yes. No, it's not basic at all. Um, that's a great question. I mean, with musicals, I feel like there's just so many more there's a bunch of different art forms that are being like all done together. Right. So it's like, you have to, like, you could be a singer on your own or a dancer on your own. Those are their own careers that like people study for like years and years and years. Um, and so we have singing, acting and dancing all in one. And so I don't know, it's kind of more of a whirlwind whirlwind and trying to make sure you're sharpening all those different skills at once and then putting them together and make sure, making sure that you're still like telling the story. And, and sometimes it's challenging, like, to tell specificities of a story when you're, when you're singing, you know, because like there's this other physical element involved into it. And what I found with like preparing for the play was that all you have is the text, right? Like you don't have like music, you don't have like a choreography that like you're going to present and stuff. You only have the text. And so for preparing for that, it felt like you could get more into the nuances and the details and the physicality of the character. Right. And you would have to spend a lot. I felt like I had to spend a lot more time diving into the backstory of like who she was and like all the little details that like make her who she is because we, all we have is we had were the words at that point in the dialogue. And so like, I couldn't rely on, Oh, now I'm going to sing into a song, like break into a song and like, and do this like dance and like have it be super showy. It's all just like pushed down into like, here's the text, here's the dialogue. So like, what do we know about these characters to make them believable and give them depth? So yeah, it was a totally different experience. And but but I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot. And I hope I get to do more plays. <laughs> Is there anyone who hasn't had a chance yet or who has another question that we, we didn't um, previously submit? Okay, this one's also about Hamilton. Um, <laughs> for our high school musical this year, since everything's on Zoom, we're making virtual choirs of 
like one song from almost all of the shows that are opening on Broadway after Corona is over. Um, and one of the songs we're doing is Skylar Sisters. So <laughs> me, Maya, and Noam are the three Skylar Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wondering, since we are currently recording it and also making a video of it, if there are any special characteristics to that song that you think are important for us to express in our like acting or singing of it. That's so cool. I love that so much. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the Skylar sisters is like a song about possibility, you know, and like about, I mean, these girls are, they're like different from like your average, like, Oh, well we stayed home and we sew and we do this. Like they're excited about like what's going on in the world, you know, like, they want to be involved in politics and they want to know like about all the things and they're not afraid of that. Well, maybe Peggy is. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's really important to show the sister dynamic between the three of them because there, of course there's always a dynamic between like a younger middle and older sister. Right. So I think so for whoever's, you know, playing Angelica, like she's the bold, fearless, like one who's leading us, like, come on, like, let's go into town, even though we're maybe not supposed to like, let's go. And she's leading them. And Eliza's kind of like, well, okay. Like I'm the middle sister. Like, like sure. And, and Eliza's also like helping Peggy along. Who's a little hesitant. Like, I don't think we should be doing this. Like this looks really scary. So like, I think developing that, like whatever that sister language is between you guys and the relationship that you guys have and the dynamics between the different ages and like, and um, the different ones. And then I would just say like, make sure that you show like an arc. So like in the beginning, they're like maybe you know, kind of like curious and like not unsure of like what they're going to see. And then like by the end, they're like all on the same page about it. And they're like, we can take over the world. Like we can do whatever we want. Like, you know, we want to be involved and like, we want to be women that like of substance that like have a say in things. And we want to be brave and we're excited about, about all that the world has to offer and anything is possible in this awesome city. So yeah, that's so cool. I would just say get the sister dynamic and make sure like you start in one place and you end in another. Thank you. <laughs> of course. I think that has to wrap up our time for today, even though I know we could talk much longer and would love to. But Joanna, thank you for your time. I hope you are staying healthy, safe, and sane, and creative in this very bewildering time. And um, we're very grateful to you for your time today. I wish you all the same health and, and happiness. And it was great to talk to you guys. Thanks for your questions. Thank you so much. Thank you you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow Places Everyone on Twitter. Podcast production and original music by Cody Crabb. Artwork by Jennifer Klockner. See you next time.